Motors Show, your home for car talk covering the latest news to the greatest views on the biggest names in performance, sports, and just plain cool driving machines. Let's rev up the conversation. Time for Driven Radio Show. Hey, all you gearheads and car fiends, welcome to Driven Radio Show, your weekly automotive happy hour. I am Brett Hatfield, here with my co-host and engineer extraordinaire, Mr. Mark Groves. Yo! We are coming to you from the Driven Radio Studios, which this week is on Zoom. Fantabulous. <laughs> Our special guest this week is Travis Bell. Travis is an accomplished cannonball run competitor, traffic scoff law, TV and movie replica car owner, proprietor of Celebrity Machines, a company that creates, creates over 300 different movie replica license plates. And this April, once again, Travis will be hosting the Backyard 400 go-kart race in his own backyard. Travis, welcome back to Driven Radio. Oh, good to be back. I hope you guys have uh, been above average since the last time I was here. <laughs> we are doing fantabulously. Uh I have seen so many pictures and so many posts and so many well wishes. Tell us about the amazing 50th birthday weekend you just uh, survived. Um, and I'm not, I'm not that guy that, you know, I'm always the one that does surprises or, or you know, I'm always the one that, uh, you know, is the ringleader behind something. And, you know, uh, 50 was a big deal. You know, we're like, oh, my goodness, you know, and I, you know, if you own the cars you grew up with, they never age. But, you know, if you look at Bo Luke and Daisy, granted, they drove the car. The car still looks the same. Uh, they may look drastically different, but so do I. You know, I had uh, quality red hair back in the day, but that's gone. So anyhow, uh, my amazing, the CEO of my life, Haley, she was like, uh, what do you want to do for your 50th? And I'm like, oh, my God, it is my 50th. So about seven months ago, we just. I always knew growing up when my birthday was because it was the Daytona 500 weekend, roughly like right around my birthday. Give her a Sterling Marlin won the Daytona 500 on my 21st birthday. Like I, 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 it's always been that. So it's either that or like the boat sport and travel show or something's going to be at that. that <laughs> but, so I was like, man, you know, for, for 50 years, I've always known that it's the Daytona 500 weekend and I may not be the biggest NASCAR fan anymore because of the product that they have out there, but they are trying and uh, they are doing as good as they can with the product that they're putting out. And um, I was like, heck, let's uh, invite 15 of my closest friends, 14, including the CEO. But uh, and we went to Daytona and uh, I rented some big, ridiculous Airbnb, VRBO, whatever house. And uh, and we had a 15 passenger van. And oh my God. I went to the truck race on Friday night and then it started sprinkling. And so we knew that SpaceX was going to launch a rocket. So we raced over to Cape Canaveral and it was the biggest oh. birthday candle I've ever had in my life. And uh, it was a night launch. So it was crazy. Um, we all ended up at the like Kennedy Space Center on the Saturday with, and had a big meal. And we had, you know, Rob Pitts from Rabbit's Use Cars and Rob was with us. Uh, his former cameraman, Matt Begley, uh, you know, Cannonball Run Kids, Holden Kids. Uh, my neighbor, Adam, Adam, uh, cars came and it, it was just ridiculous. And then, uh, all six, 16 of us sat together in, uh, at the Daytona 500 because, uh, one, it's my birthday, but I'll be damned if my friend that doesn't live, well, our friend, Indianapolis native, Connor Daly backed his way into the 500 and, uh, he drove car 50 and on my 50th. Oh. Oh, and uh, he literally is, a, a, you know, an Indianapolis native loved around here. And he's just such a good guy. And uh, 
had terrible equipment, but got his way into the show. <laughs> and uh, he wasn't super competitive, but that's not his fault. And uh, he kept the doors on it the whole day and finished 29th and started basically, you know, almost dead last. So it was a good time. We all made it back. And then uh, we got off the plane. And, I, you know, I've got an 18-year-old son and a 27-year-old daughter, soon to be 28. So they were, they were 10 years apart. And it was the wife and myself, and we were walking through the terminal. And I, I don't hang out with Kate, my daughter, very much. She, growing up, she was my best friend. I was, I was more her best friend than her dad because I had custody of her since she was like 10 or 11. So, you know, we just did everything together. But, you know, she's grown and does her own thing now. But it was weird being called dad all weekend. You'd be like, Travis, 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 dad. And I was like, oh, crap, that's Kate, right? <laughs> so Kate and her boyfriend give me hugs and take off at the terminal. My wife goes, you know, uses the restroom. And it's just I'm there by myself. Like, it's over. Like, this crazy weekend has has quiet and so we jumped in we got a uh you know a a little mazda that we we care a little bit about but you know you can park and drive it at the airport and if it gets if the airport explodes there goes the mazda right <laughs> so we drive home and the you know the house is dark and you know the normal stuff pull in and walk into the you know the kitchens off the off the front garage and it's quiet and my wife is walking behind me and I'm a pop culture idiot. Like if you walk into my home, it's, it's, you're like, holy crap, where did you get spy hunter? You know, like whatever. So, <laughs> um, the ongoing joke for the last 40 years and really got hot and heavy now for the last 20 is GI Joe 40 years ago made a seven the foot aircraft long carrier. aircraft the carrier. carrier. Yes. The, the USS flag. And what parent on earth in 40 years ago would spend $100 on one toy that was seven foot long? And any kid that got it was a spoiled ass brat, anyhow. So we always <laughs> would be like, this is the 39th anniversary of Santa not bringing me the USS flag or whatever. And sure enough, behind the scenes, all of my friends had like a GoFundMe thing and they bought a USS flag. And while I was gone in Daytona, they came and assembled it in my kitchen on my kitchen island. And I walked into the house to the toy that I've always wanted. Oh, oh, that's awesome. It was crazy. And and I'm the guy like you can't pull anything over on me. Like I'm the guy that like predicts the endings of movies. And and they all I knew nothing like Ed Bullion, Jared Pink. Rabbit, Rob, Robert, uh, Rob's uh, pits, everybody, they were all involved and they just got together with my, my kid, my wife and all my, my friends. And they all threw money together to buy this ridiculously expensive seven foot long aircraft carrier that is still on my kitchen island upstairs. So, um, <laughs> you know, that was it. And um, it, he, it was, it was crazy. Choke, did you choke up? Oh, I'm, I was a disaster. Like I was oh. like, I mean, you know, foggy glasses. I couldn't believe because, like in the like, you know, of course she's filming me when we walk in. I turn around. I'm like, is this <laughs> like, is this real? Like, I was like, oh my god! And you know, it's got the airplanes and the figures and everything. And I'm like, oh geez, crap! Like I'm an admiral now, you know. So I, you know. <laughs> but yeah, That's it's good. Awesome. Yeah, so it'll be back down here in the pop culture paradise, which is the basement. So, or we don't. So it'll it'll make its way down here somehow. We'll I'm honestly, it. sincerely happy for you. That sounds like the coolest birthday. Uh, what do you do? I mean, 
you know, you, we've made it this far. It's like, I guess we're, you know, see what happens when I'm a hundred. So <laughs> <laughs> that is incredible. All righty. We had you on last year. We talked about this before and after, uh, we had everybody on who tried to run over flip or otherwise kill each other <laughs> or the uninitiated. Please explain what the back backyard 400 is and how it came to be. Simply put, um, if you basically Google Earth my house, back in the day, there was there were um, about five acres of very rundown greenhouses. And I live in an area on the south side of Indianapolis where there were a bunch of German greenhouses. And the people that owned the property here before me were the Heidelbergers. And the Heidelbergers had these big glass greenhouses made of teak wood. And, of course, that's gone away. They're all made of the plastic and whatever else now and and and. But if you remember when you were here, just to the south property, there's still one of the rundown greenhouses just to the south lot. So we took those four acres and kind of bulldozed them and cleaned them up. And we made it like a city park and started building out there. And and, um, my amazing neighbor, Charity, has two golden retrievers. And she would walk across, you know, my, my street's rather busy. And so we made a walking path. And we, you know, went through the city of Indianapolis, got approved for a walking path, and we paved it. And we're just a bunch of guys sitting around going, bro, you didn't make a walking path. You made a racetrack. And I'm like, oh, man, it's, it's only, you know, six and six feet wide. And they said, well, you made a go-kart track then. And I said, I'm not on purpose, but okay. Um, so we talking. were like, hey, let's let's start a go-kart race for all of our friends. But it couldn't be like a shifter cart. It had to be like a Shriner cart, like something you would have won at a grocery store as a child. So we were like, hey, we're going to do this six and a half horse, come out, have some fun. And we had 33 people show up with full body go-karts. And we had, you know, opening ceremonies and grand marshals and, and bands. And it was just ridiculous. And we gave away a Chevy Cavalier at the end to the winner. Like it was totally. And I mean, everybody needed a grinectomy by the time they were done. Like it was a <laughs> smiles. And we had a great time. And uh, it was a little stressful because, you know, there was some some spills and some things there, but, uh, you know, everybody left with their legs going the correct direction and their arms on right. And, uh, so we had, we called it the backyard 400. Everybody's like, are you going to do it again next year? And we're like, I guess, I mean, why not? (laughs) So that's it. And then you guys came out and, uh, you had a big time too. So you about got ran over there at the start finish line, but you know, yeah, well, I'll, I'll have to time my crossings. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, at my favorite piece of footage from the entire weekend wasn't even a go-kart, but Corey has about six seconds of some guy in one of those inflatable dinosaur outfits riding a Honda 50cc mini trail around the track. Yeah, it's many just, people, yeah, it's many just people, the most yeah. absurd thing ever. I, they woke up because, of course, it was like Talladega. Like there's camping, and co- everybody was staying at the house and staying on the property. We got had one of those fancy, you know, air conditioned restrooms and all that stuff and trailer, and so they were able to stay on the property. And we all woke up that morning because I had to go to the airport to get Ben Wilson. He flew in from New Zealand to race a cart, and I come home and there's an inflatable Tyrannosaurus Rex on a pit bike doing laps, <laughs> you know, dragging his tail around the whole thing, and I'm like going. Uh, this is the beginning of our day. There's a dino on a bike. Let's go. So then there was it made you wonder, m- made you wonder if you had ingested something foreign over the course of the night. 
Uh, um, I mean, it was a it was a full weekend. So lots of questions about this year's race. What yeah. improvements have you made to the track so far for this year's event? So it was very tight last year, and we ran we we added runoffs before because I mean this was supposed to be a walking path, and it's really legitimately a walking path. But one day a year, it becomes a go kart race. So um, we put runoffs on the corners because it was very tight. And then, um, you know, hay bales are okay, but hay bales will flip a go-kart. Mm -hmm. So we kind of learned a lot on, on year one. So we put out, they were trying to chase down some plastic, you know, water-filled barricades and some things like that. And then during the off-season here, we repaved the entire one-third mile at eight feet. Wow. So it's, uh, but down at the south end, it's a little close to the fence, but it's uh, the whole place all the way around is eight and eight and a half feet all the way around. Uh, oh, if you remember, wow. If you remember the one corner we called the Widowmaker. Yeah. And, <laughs> and that was turn 11 down there. So um, we removed three dead trees in the middle of that and widened that to about 14 feet. So it's uh, it's not so widow widowish anymore. There was some pretty healthy, yeah, pretty, pretty healthy accidents. <laughs> Yeah, um, and so we fixed that. But then um, the Indianapolis Center and Asheville Airport was going through the last couple of years. They're repaving some runways, and they've had these 10-inch tall, and you can buy them, obviously, waterfield barricades for a runway. And they all lock together, and they're 8 feet long, but they're 10 inches tall. And a go-kart tire is 6 inches tall. And you fill them up full of water. And back then, you, you were supposed to land a plane and say, you know, since the runway is not striped or, or right now they're repairing it, they would just put the barricades out. So I bought like all 160 of them from the International U.S. or the Indianapolis International Airport. And they're all in decent condition and they, they still hold water. So anything that was sketchy like that south end fence now, because the track is or the walking path is drastically close to the fence because you're going by it, and that's a collarbone on a yeah on, on a fence post there. But now we have a 10-inch barricade now that's water-filled, and they all lock together. So uh, anything that was sketchy, we'll get that now. And then so we did have like a little open test about four months ago after we had widened the path. And if you remember last year, Justin won, and he had that amazingly quick, well-done yes. IndyCart. And his qualifying time was like 20 almost 29 seconds and he was fast but on the open test with the new track now he did it in 25 Ooh. and there's that's the problem because now coming out of the Widowmaker, they don't have to really slow down and then they go down the hill to that blind right and that's a big problem so we added a chicane back there like a little bus stop like watkins glenn did Sure. And to, to slow them down through there because they are a lion. It's it's full blast through there. So still working on some things and, uh, you know, working to make sure that we don't upset the city of Indianapolis and uh, just looking <laughs> forward to uh, whatever's clever in April. I'm wondering if you've seen the petition yet uh, to have Mark Spence bubble wrapped. <laughs> yeah, I mean... <laughs> Last year, before we even started during the invocation, we were like, dear baby Jesus, X, Y, Z, this. And everybody already knows Mark Spence is going to win. You know, bow your heads and close your eyes, folks. You know, whatever. <laughs> but remember, of course, um, on our podcast with you guys, and we tried to lasso everybody together, Spence did the podcast from a bar. Yes. And then he, he told some <laughs> gal there, he said, shut up, I'm doing famous people stuff. <laughs> so we all made Mark Spence shirts. And, shut uh, up! I'm doing one. famous people stuff. But it's, it says Mark Spence. Shut up! I'm doing famous people stuff. So. 
<laughs> so you'll see photos of me floating around the internet. Actually, uh, actually, the last Finwicky story I told, I'm wearing the Mark yeah. Shut up. Yeah. I, I didn't get a shirt, but I still have the bumper sticker that says I break for Mark Spencer's, Mark Spencer's beard. beard. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how many entries do you have so far and how many are you expecting to have? So I could really even tell you, I can pull it up real quick and tell you. So currently, let's see. Um, there's a folder, believe it or not, on my desktop that says events. That's terrible. There are 43 entries, but we had 44 last year and only 33 showed up. So we have, yeah, but, but it's and, February. You got two months to go. Yeah. And the word's out, but, um, uh, you know, the city of Indianapolis limits it to 250 people. So, you know, if, if, if you have an entry and a couple of friends that come with that person, we've probably maxed out. So we'll, uh, we'll keep it very private and very whatever, but, um, you know, we'll have to, uh, play by the rules and have a good time. So I got to ask you about the trophies this year. Oh, Is there yeah. going to be another magnificent grand prize like that stellar piece of hardware that you gave away last year? So this year it's a two day event, believe it or not. Um, so the, so the drive down there, the, the, or the North, North straightaway is dead straight. And it goes down that hill. But if you remember, it keeps on going toward what we used as the pits last year. Yeah. So if you start at the Widowmaker down there and pound on it, and um, I can't remember how many feet it is. So the Friday night, we are doing the U.S. Nationals. Y-O-U-A-S-S. <laughs> <laughs> but you have to use the same cart in which you are competing in in the backyard 400. So you can't show up with a junior dragster or something like that. Yeah. So it's street cart takeover, the U.S. Nationals. So we have a porcelain, horrible trophy. I don't remember what it's called, but it's like two Greek gods butt naked, like pulling the, each other's junk or something. <laughs> oh, so it's the wrestlers. The yeah. The wrestlers where the guy's completely upside down and his gears right, like right there. Like we literally ordered it from Italy. It's here. And it's the, we call it the tug and pull, but yeah, I don't know what it is. It's, it's something you would not display. It's a so, Greek yin yang. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. And everybody's getting a piece. Mainly so, yang. Yeah. So that is the trophy for the U S national. So, and we have a tree on a, on a pro tree and everything. And so you, you, you pound on on the on the south or the north drive there, and you slow down. That gives you time to break before you basically end up in Bluff Road. But that's two acres away. If you're going that fast, you better jump off anyhow. Um, and then the next day, of course, the backyard 400. And yes, we have procured another 1989 Z24 convertible Chevy Cavalier. Oh my God. <laughs> Yeah, this year it's white though. It's a white one, and uh, it's it's actually been here for nine months, so it's down at the south end. <laughs> so yes, we are keeping the tradition alive, and we are giving away another '89 Z20. This one has a digital dashboard, but it's white. Ooh. So my favorite part of last year's car was flipping up a sun visor to find a wasp's nest on the underside of it. <laughs> well, and then when, when Justin wins the thing and Alex Morrison the, is going to, you know, give him a parade lap, they fire it up and it goes about eight feet and dies. <laughs> <laughs> and then, then it goes about another 12 feet and dies and it kind of cleans itself up and makes it around. 
but Justin has has got a personal plate on it now. So it says like backyard one on it right now. So. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So yeah, but yeah, this year another 1989 Chevy Cavalier convertible Z24 package with the digital dash. And I don't know, this one came with enough enough parts to build another one. Like so, but yeah, the, the U.S. Nationals and the Backyard 400, just a bunch of grown adults in what looks like Shriner go-karts with, we tried to keep it a six and a half horse, but we also made the mistake of saying two, 212, but a 212 yeah. is, if you go to Tillotson, it's like an eight and a half, but it's in the rules, so run well with your brum. So. Yeah. Aside from Mr. Spence, what other yes. celebrities will be attending? So believe it or not, if you remember Jared Pink, uh, yeah. he is from a questionable garage. He was on, it was used to be wrench every day and he used to be on Freddie Tavares's channel a lot. And, uh, he lives there in, in North Georgia and incredible fan, a friend of mine, like he couldn't be nicer. Um, but he is We've six had foot, him on the show. I concur. Yep. He's six foot eight and he's not a small guy. So I found him a Dodge Dakota go-kart and delivered it to him last month so he'll be up here for the race of course ben will be flying back in from new zealand awesome uh, sam hard is flying over from the uk uh from hard up garage and yep. i found him you know he wouldn't drive anything that's you know yankee so i found him a mercedes cl class uh <laughs> go-kart oh my god uh, uh ben ben will be in the truck class he's got a toyota helix or sr5 of course, my brother-in-law who, who rolled the 26 last year, the, the green Quaker state, um, mm -hmm. he's, he's into the truck class this year. He's got a Valvoline sponsored, uh, truck car. Did you find him something with a bit more wheelbase? Yeah. And, and he's always been a motorcyclist. So for him, he was unable to lean the whole weekend because that he was so cooped up in that thing. So now he's got a long wheelbase and with it being the truck, like Chris Michaels did last year, you're able to lean out of the cart as you run into the, into the corners. So. Um, a lot of people learned a lot of things with, with, it's not, it's not always speed run. It's all brakes. And remember they were just burning through those drum brakes so quickly. Yeah. So everybody's switching to the live axle and the, and the disc brake. Um, lots of good paint schemes. I've already seen uh, lots of uh, things, but yeah. Um, we're going to keep it up as low key as possible, but it never is. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, uh so those, I mean, you know, these people are flying over oceans to race go-karts in my backyard. So. That's awesome. It, it is a stellar event. It is absolutely fantastic. Uh, I would ask you how your neighbors feel about this, but we already talked about that before yeah. the, the show. They're uh, difficult, do, but that's, that's fine. They have, uh, they can do whatever they have to do. You do have one next door neighbor who seems to be a hell of a good sport about it. He's the pace cart driver. Remember he's uh, he drives a little shit or the little LeBaron and uh, it would be difficult for him to bitch. Yeah. And he, uh, he went with me to my 50th. So yeah. And oh. uh, his wife's amazing and they're awesome. So stepping away from the go-karts and I hate to, cause it's such a good event. We had a good uh, time. Like it was crazy and it was just by the seat of its pants, but yeah, let's switch gears. What do you got for well, us? Rhonda's heard so many go-kart weekend <laughs> stories. She's coming with me this year. Well, so. if you went in my backyard right now, you would be like, bro, you have a problem. And I'm like, <laughs> I know. So, but you know. we, we will be there to help to fix brakes, to get greasy, to do anything you need, sir. I understand you've done a little bit of work on that Transcon Medivac. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. What, for those who don't know what it is, why have you been living under a rock? But <laughs> tell us a little bit about the van and tell us what you had done. 
short version of the 1979 Cannonball Run. Of course, anybody who doesn't know the Cannonball Run was more than a movie, but in 79 uh, would, would be the final Rock Yates version of the Cannonball Run before they switched it to the One Lap of America, which is, uh, you know, kind of a drag and, drag and drive week for the, for the, uh, for the competitors. So uh, the last coast to coast race across the country, they did five of them was in 79 and Hal Needham and Brock Yates uh, had had humongous success with this movie called Smoking the Bandit. So they, uh, Hal was like, you have to do it one more time. And uh, Brock was a little leery about it, but he knew that if he had enough uh, competent drivers that they could still get coast to coast and give the middle finger to the 55 mile an hour speed limit and still not kill anybody, which still to this day, in 2023, the Cannonball Run has still never had a major incident in any underground version of it or anything. If you have a, if you have a confident driver, so they all. Uh, it's not the car. Like if Brett showed up in a Lamborghini and Mark showed up in a Ferrari, you guys have screwed up. It is the story. <laughs> so if you show up in a suburban that says you know Chinese balloon tracking device on the side of it or something <laughs> or if you show up in a white jetta that says organ transplant you know donation or something or whatever whatever the story will will eclipse or will get you the speed and so in 79 that was the gag so everyone was afraid all the competitors in 79 of what brock and hal showed up with and they showed up with a 1978 dodge sportsman ambulance with a dick landy engine in it and they were dressed up as paramedics and as and Brock's wife Pam was the patient and UCLA <laughs> doctor Lyle Royer was the doctor. And so everybody and this thing sounded like a Winston Cup car and these everybody was afraid like this is the greatest idea on earth. Who was gonna pull the Bernangas? <laughs> Needless to say, they handed out little bitty uh pamphlets or little bitty notes to people that says uh, or little notebooks. And told all the competitors, if anything happens along the way, write it down, write your own story. And they took all of the stories and turned it into the movie, The Cannonball Run. Uh, in the movie, the ambulance fi finishes in real life. The ambulance has never finished a competitive Cannonball Run event, period. Since 1979, the ambulance has always broke down, never started the race or never finished the race or made it halfway on the race. And for 20 years, I have owned what is the reincarnation of the cannibal run ambulance with Brock and Brock's blessing and Hal's blessing and built it exactly as the original one was. And they, you know, when I was building it, they were like, why would you want to do that? Because they realized they knew that their recipe for success was a disaster. And, you know, <laughs> with a 502 cubic inch big block between the two seats up front and, a, and they had a quicker transmission. I have a gear vendors transmission, but all this exotic stuff that that never worked and still does not work. So uh, <laughs> I own what's uh, what is known as the Transcom Medivac from the Cannonball Run, and it's autographed by Brock and Hal and, and Pam, and and it's uh, it is what is now known as as what's left of the Cannonball or the Transcom Medivac. So it has never like for me. Sometimes it won't go out of the driveway. Um, I have left Ed Bullion in New York City twice without a ride. Uh, <laughs> the, the one time that we all actually started it in, in New York, um, John Ficara, myself, and Ed Bullion made it 
250 miles and broke down and uh, never never did it again. So um, after that, the trip in, in 19 or no, in 20, the attempt in 20 with it, um, we had completely ran through it and, and put fuel injection on it. And we were, this is it. We were going to snap the curse, but it would have been a solo run. So it's not a competitive event, but we would have, you know, at least got it across the finish line because a cannonball run curse break or whatever else would be a competitive event. If you and me and, and Mark go the solo, that's a solo run and yeah, you made it, but you didn't compete in a, an event. So yeah. Um, the cannonball, the ambulance has never done a solo run, competitive run. It half the time won't make it out of the driveway. So we thought we were ready in, in 20 and, uh, or in, in late 21. And we were not late 21 is when we went and it broke down in Pennsylvania. Of course, uh, it had a Phytech fuel injection on it, which is not a bad unit, but the fuel pump would not keep up with it. We were asking way more, more than it, what it had. And um, we were not ready. So uh, I took it home and flew Ed home and flew Fakara home and dropped Spence off on the way. And you know, like, it was crazy and uh, didn't know what we were going to do. But kind of secretly, without knowing the folks in, in 79, the ambulance was powered by a Holly 850. And we had originally built the big block with a Holly 850 and knew that was a horrible idea. So we switched it. It was still a big block, but we switched it to fuel injection. And um, secretly behind the scenes, the folks from Holly were kind of doing a rain dance, hoping we would not finish because they didn't want Phytech to bring it finally across the line. And they didn't have to worry about it because um, I really enjoyed the, the Phytech people, but it didn't make it 250 miles for us, but we were asking a lot of their product, like, Oh my gosh, you know, you're, we're, we're going to run this thing for 30 plus hours at, at 85 miles an hour. So, um, Holly came on board and Holly, um, said, we will send you anything you want for it. And let's see if we can help you get it across the line. Um, so the incredible Jared pink there in Cleveland, Georgia was like, Hey, um, bring this down and we'll see if we can't, you know, exercise some demons here. And so if you watch his channel for like the last year, it's been sitting behind him on a lift and whatever else. <laughs> and um, everything that he could think of from double fuel pumps in the tank and redundancy after redundancy and um, these amazing coolers that he put on the transmission, like I was used for the Mopar trans is run hot, but they were, I mean, somewhere around the two hundreds, you know, now it's running at 160, like the trans. And I'm like, dude, this, this thing even running like it was crazy. And so Jared had spent so much time and then he drove it at, um, at the Holly Mo party. They invited him to come down for that with it and found out that it wasn't charging or this, that, and other. It's got two batteries in it. And then he put a big MSD alternator on it. And it was so Jared, it's all Jared's baby at this point. So, um, Taylor Hull, uh, drift expert, you know, formula drift Taylor Hall, but also cannonball run idiot, um, scofflaw idiot. Uh, he has an event called the Southern classic and yes. the, Southern, the Southern classic is simply the, the, uh, smoking the bandit movie. And then the smoking the bandit movie, big enus and little enus see, you know, Burt Reynolds at the Lakewood fairgrounds, which is no longer there, but it kind of still is there. But, uh, and say, hey, me and my uh, my daddy here want to you know party with some some coors, and it was uh, illegal on this side of the Mississippi, bootlegging. 
but it's not illegal in Texarkana, Texas. So Taylor's event, you leave timed, clock in at the Lakewood Fairgrounds where the movie was filmed. You go to Texarkana, Texas, you get a six or 12 pack or whatever of Coors Banquet, and then you haul ass back home and then you show back up and clock back out. So we were thinking it's time to finally do a shakedown run with this ambulance because it's a competitive event. Let's try it. Right. I mean, and I went down there with my truck and trailer and, and towed it down there. And I'm like, and before I left, I left my keys with somebody at the parking lot where in the liquid fairgrounds, because I'm like, when we break down, come get us. Like, it's not <laughs> like, and Jared's like, you got this. And Jared had bought a, cause he's a Toyota mechanic by trade. Like he can flip mm -hmm. a Toyota upside down. But he had bought a, an 85 Supra like at hours before the event and took off in the Supra. And we knew that. So we left at 1140 p.m., but Texas can't sell beer till 7 a.m. And we knew that if we kept a, a certain speed up, that we can get there right in time to buy beer or not like get there too early and have to wait for the beer if we made it. And then we were we'd be able to get back. So. um we got to the parking lot at 11 o'clock. We rolled it off the trailer. I have not been in this thing since it broke down. So it's literally got like beef jerky from two years ago in it. Like it's, <laughs> no one's, you know, cause no one's been in it. Jared just fixed the engine and fixed all the mechanicals and fixed the nightmare. I put the three antennas on it, put two SD cards in it. Uh, Ed had a humongous head cold all week. Like he was, he sounded terrible and it snowed like the second coming of Christ in Indianapolis. And on Wednesday. And I was like, we could back out of this thing. Like this thing is not going to make it anyhow. So why waste our time? And, um, he was like, no. And I'm like, D I, if I go get my pants hemmed in a snowstorm, we're doing this. And so I went and got my <laughs> ambulance pants hemmed in a snowstorm. And we got down there, did all that antennas, SD cards, fired it up, backed it off the trailer. It's completely different. It, the pedal feels different all Holly sniper stuff, everything MSD, all Earl's plumbed, everything that Holly can throw at it is on it. And Jared spent 11 months, you know, off and on, you know, tinkering with it, making sure it's right or ordering things or whatever. And Scott Kirk from Holly was like, what do you need to knock this out? I'm like, nah, you know, whatever. I just send Jared whatever he needs. So uh, at 11, it, we're, it was like 1132 and they walked over and said, you got like eight minutes and I'm like, crap, somebody should throw all this old beef jerky out of this thing so we can get out of here or whatever, you know? <laughs> and, uh, I, we, it was myself, Ed Bullion, and we took, uh, Rob Pitts's former cameraman, uh, Matt Begley with us just to be a fly on the wall, just take pictures or whatever else or videotape or anything or whatever happens. And I mean, it's rumbling. It sounds like a Winston cup car still. It's loud. It's ridiculous. Um, it's got, you know, Bilstein shocks, Hellwood sway bars, 502 cubic inches of useless big block, you know, Mopar and, and, uh, you know, four wheel disc brakes. It's, it's completely, it's, it's a rolling experiment. And so we go up, Ed jumps out, clocks us out and we're gone. And at 1140 at night, leaving the Lakewood fairgrounds. And of course, Ed lives local and I'm, I'm on it. Like he goes up here to the left, up here to the right, whatever else. When you're in an ambulance, you just turn things on and people get out of your way. And, um, <laughs> So we're moving. We're, so then we get a, like a nice little groove going down the highway, but we had filled it up before we left. And 
it, you know, it got dark or we got, you know, we we're running through the, through the night and we need to get fuel five times on the way to Texarkana because we're getting about four and a half to six miles to the gallon. Oh my God. And so we would stop and fill it up and it's two tanks, you know, she goes both ways, you know, so yep. you know, <laughs> two tanks and uh, fill it up and we just change seats and Ed would drive and fill it up. And then I would drive and fill it up. But Ed had a monster head cold. And so we got to Texarkana at 721. So we timed it absolutely perfect. And it made it to Texas. We're like, you know, oh, my God, like this thing. And it had horsepower. Like it was a joy to drive, which is, you know, I'm waiting for a piano to fall out of the sky and hit me right now. Like it was crazy. <laughs> so, you know, Ed at at, uh, at the uh, Paradise Truck Stop is where you get your, your banquet beer. You have to get the receipt from the Paradise and the beer. And so we got it. We turn around and Ed, for the first time in his cannonball history, was able to stretch out and sleep in a vehicle because he slept on the gurney <laughs> and uh, put his feet up on the tonsil. He's six foot seven and yeah. he's he's done multiple cannonball runs, but sleeping in these cars and cooped up. And so Begley and I, uh, he took the pastor's seat and we just uh, we're friends. And so. You know, we shitty chatting away and one hour goes by, two hours go by, three hours go by. And we're, we're doing fuel transfers because we have a, a second tank and about three and a half hours into it. Ed's still, I mean, he's sick. He's got a head cold, but he wakes up and he's like, you're ready to change. And I'm like, sure. And then we go and uh, I go back later, lay on the gurney and, and we're still moving like this thing is going. And we're into about the. 13th hour of this trip and it is still on rails and every it's, it looks i'm like man but you don't want to start jumping up and down yet because this thing made it in 79 to the palm desert and died and that was <laughs> you know so drastically close to the finish line but it didn't make it and it has never finished a competitive event so i wake up kind of switched seats with begley and when we're going up hills i can you know you got the motor be between your you know the two right there up front you can hear everything it's got a little valve clatter and I'm like watching the, the oil pressure and we're down about 20 PSI. So we're probably burning through some oil. And when mm -hmm. we would go up, when we go up the hills, it would get a little louder and you'd watch it. So I know it's sloshing to the back of the pan. And I'm like, Hey, we're about 60 miles outside of Birmingham and we're still moving on the way back. And I'm like, Hey man, let's snap in here real quick and let me check the oil. And, uh, you know, we'll fill it up with gas again and, and get this thing back. And, um, we lifted the hood and everything has changed since the last time I've been in there because pink has made it this weapon of mass destruction. Like it is, and, and things aren't where they were. And the original one had blue valve covers. Now we got blue valve covers. Like he stuck true to all this stuff, but what I was used to was not under there anymore. And I'm like, but I had all my my oil and stuff. We have we have VR Valvoline high zinc stuff in the back, and I had all everything with me. And so Ed goes in the used restroom, and I pull the dipstick, and I'm like, bro, there's like nothing on the stick. And I'm like, we should probably put some oil in this thing. So Begley gets the little zigzaggy filter or the funnel that we use because it's you can't put oil in these things. And um, I I put it in the, and I start filling it, and then I put another one in. And then I pull the stick again out of there and I looked at it and I go, dude, there's nothing on this damn stick. You know, there's, I, go, well, I don't, can't believe we're this low. And so I start shoving it in and it says, use only Dextron. 
Oh, no. So I had just put oh, two no. quarts of oil in the transmission. Transmission, yeah. Because nothing is the same underneath the hood anymore. Oh, shit. And it all looks completely different to me now. And so the extra long trans stick is where it's supposed to be. But the little ski slope that we used to use to put oil in it is gone because we'd have new valve covers. So I called Jared and I said, if I just put a quarter oil in the trans, is that a problem? <laughs> and, he, uh, and he's like, it's not good, but it'll make it. Let's go. And I'm like, what happens if I put two quarts of oil? And then he goes, <laughs> what kind of oil? And I said, the Valvoline high, high zinc stuff. And he goes, have you started it? And I said, no. He said, all your oil is in your pan. And I have a deep sump pan. He said, you have to drain it right there. You can't run it through the trans. So uh, I had Begley get underneath it and we have a, we have a, it has a drain plug on the, on the deep, on the deep sump one. And we had Ed run in and say drain pan. And this is like a mom and pop truck stop. It's not like a Bucky's or anything like that. And they looked at him like he was speaking Chinese. And I go, I run in, I say polar pop cups, like give me some polar pop cups. And I took like 30 of them. Right. And I, so, so the trans is the fluids thinned out because, but it's not smoking hot because we've, we've got this. So Begley pulls it and it just comes out like the second coming of Christ. Like it cannot, you cannot put enough polar pop cups underneath it. So it was like the Exxon Valdez everywhere. Like I, there's pictures of it on the internet where it's spilt out, but it literally, Think about like two refrigerators, three refrigerators on their side. It still would have had a puddle of, of transmission fluid around it. But you can see the oil sitting on top of the slick, right? So Begley comes out from underneath it. And he said, dude, I couldn't keep up with it. He had like two half cupfuls of trans fluid. So there's six quarts of trans plus two quarts of oil on the ground underneath oh, it at the, no. at the pumps, at the pumps, mind you. No. And, um, no. So Begley's like, fill it up. And, and so I'm putting six, six quarts of trans back in it. I was able to put three quarts of oil back in it. Cause now I knew where the oil went since everything has changed since I've been there. And it's, it's not anybody's fault, but my own. And, um, Ed runs back in there and he goes, if you have a diesel spill at the diesel Island, what do you guys kitty litter anything? And they looked at him like, bro, we don't have that. So I go, we're going to back up. And we're going to leave. And I apologize to the people at the, what was it? Go Asus truck stop outside of Birmingham because we made an ecological disaster right there. <laughs> at three. And, but we were, we were ready to, but they didn't have anything. So we uh, backed up and we, it, I could probably use, a little bit more oil. We only put three quarts in. I could have probably used four because we were only about 60. We ran 75 PSI of oil pressure all day, and it was down around the 60s. And so we're back on rails, man. Bust through Birmingham, and we're coming in. We lost about 45 minutes there, but we, you know, we just wanted to finish. We haven't freaking finished. And so um, we get down to the 75-75 split, south and north or south. And we're back in Atlanta and it's still running. I don't know. I'm like going, what? Something's going to happen. Right. And we get, we're the first exit off there, off the split. And we get down to it and it backfires through the, through the uh, fuel injection and it hasn't done it. 
all day. It has it. It and then when I let off, it pop it out out the out the tailpipe, and it's not done it all day. It's been bulletproof on rails, and now it's got like a a tick, like a, a tick, and I'm like going, "What in the crap is going on with this thing?" So I know I got about two and a half miles of, of two lane road and I'm just going to make one ride at this. And we got about four stoplights and I can turn everything on and get my ass through all this stuff. And so we come down there and I'm two foot in it to keep it running mm-hmm. and, and it's green and nobody is going. And I'm like, why in the hell? And I'm looking, and you can literally hear me on the cameras. I'm like, I, there is not a cuss word that was left on the table at that point. <laughs> but what I didn't realize is there was a real ambulance coming through the damn oh, stoplight. <laughs> so from, from left to right, there went this ambulance. And then everybody kind of moseyed through the stoplight. And I was following, the, going the same direction as the ambulance. He's got his lights and sirens on. So I Might turned well. all my lights and sirens on. I turned everything on the ambulance. Smart. And he's doing about 40, and I followed him for about a mile, and he hung a right, and I pounded on it because I had about a mile and a half to go, and I had four more stoplights to blow with the lights and sirens on. And uh, we had one more light, blew it, and came hung a left into the Lakewood Fairgrounds. And if you watch the video, it's running real long. I can't get it to, to idle down, and it didn't matter because it made it. So hallelujah. Wow. Ed got out. Clocked, yeah, he got Jesus. out the the, the uh, slider door clocked in at 18 hours and six minutes to make it to Texarkana, Texas and back with a 45 minute delay with the uh, Coors Banquet and uh, Doug Tabbitt, Cannonball Run record holder was the uh, he walked around and uh, he said, Travis, how does it feel to break the curse? And I could not speak. I had to walk away. Uh, crying, hadn't cried that hard in years. Uh, I've had it for 20 years. I've had my son for 18 of them. And, uh, there, if you watch the end of Jared Pink's video, like I am a disaster crying ass mess because all these people got together to do it. And, uh, finally in the competitive cannonball world, and that is an event, it had finally started an event and finished an event. And all of my friends were there at the finish line to watch it cross the line. Wow. Fantastic. That is freaking fantastic. It was crazy. Uh, but, uh, there, uh, you know, this is, so anyhow, like the tapping thing, there was a, there's a thing that happens with the snipers when you run them too hot and granted it was run for 18 and a half hours yes, in it that, was. in that bubble under there, there that won't let it cool. Uh, but it didn't have to do 1376 miles. It just had to do 1374. So, um, it did them all. Holly was the one that got it across the line. And, uh, I mean, you know, I'll choke up now talking about it, but it was, it was incredible. So that is absolutely beautiful. I'm, I'm thrilled for you. Yep. We've been speaking with Travis Bell. Travis, please take a moment and tell everyone where you can be found online and on social media. Uh, simply on Instagram uh, at retro disc jockey. Cause I play music for a living or used to, um, of course, uh, you know, you just, everybody knows where I live. So if you just Facebook at Travis Bell or I guess DJ T Bell one at Facebook, but, um, of course, celebritymachines.com. Uh, there's a, a lot of stuff there. If you, uh, grew up and, uh, watched all the great shows that, because 
Uh, back in the day, the Starcross had license plates on them, and we make them. And I don't know how on God's green earth Optimus Prime has been driving around for nine movies without a license plate on it. But, you know, he's got, <laughs> he's got intergalactic plates that I don't know about, I'm sure. But so, yeah, uh, celebrimachines.com, Retro Dish Shock on Instagram. Don't do much on Twitter. And uh, you can find me all the time on Vinwick on YouTube and uh, right here with you fellas. <laughs> As always. Oh, by, the, by the way, uh, I called you last May when I was sitting at breakfast with a buddy of mine from McPherson College, and I was bragging on you saying, I know the guy who owns Celebrity Machines. If you ever want a license plate from a movie car or a TV car, he's got it. And the guy looks at me and he says, I want the ass man plate from Seinfeld. And I said, I promise you he has it. I called you. You stuck him in the mail. They beat him home. He couldn't believe it. I can't thank you enough. You 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 helped me not. Uh, you you kept me uh, honest. You, he thought I was lying to him. So believe I it or not, that. at Christmas time, when of course sales for everybody goes out of the, out of the world, the ass man plate outsells every plate we do like ten to one. <laughs> oh my god! And I don't know if it's a gag gift thing or something like you want to. You know, Dad's going to open up an ass man plate or something like that. But um, we actually just above me here in the in the I have two of the original plates from the episode. They're not in the greatest shape, but uh, yeah, the Seinfeld Ass Man plate outsells at Christmas like ten to one everything. That's <laughs> awesome! I love it, Travis. Thanks for being with us. I appreciate it as always. Fantastic stories, and I can't wait to see you in a couple of months. I'm still hunting for a go-kart on the off chance I can find one that'll haul my ass around the track. It's all right. All you got to do then is just wave the green flag. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, sir. Good to see you guys. He is so stinking interesting to listen to. I could just, I could listen to Travis Bell read the phone book. He's a, he's a great storyteller and he's got so many interesting things that he's done and stuff he's involved in. And I just love listening to him. Yeah. You know, listening to his stories, especially with his friends, that tells you something about a guy when you've got buddies that'll do all of that for you and go through all those hoops for, for you, that that tells you something about who you are and how you connect. Good Joe. Travis, Travis didn't know me from Adam and we had him on the show the first time. And since the first time I've talked to him, he's treated me like a long lost brother. He is just the, the sweetest human being. I can't say enough nice about him. Yeah. Good guy. Good guy. Thank you so much for spending time with Driven Radio. We love what we do, and we wouldn't be able to do it without the support of our listeners. You can find us online at DrivenRadioShow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Driven Radio Show. And as the Driven Radio Show podcast on LinkedIn, you can find us anywhere fine podcasts are heard. I am Brett Hatfield for Mark L. Groves. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time here on Driven Radio. 